0: Good morning everyone. Sorry to break up your chats. Um, Feel free to chat afterwards. Um, My name is Chantel. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, Paul is not here this morning because he's away running a marathon, which is the kind of thing that gives him energy. Doesn't give me any, especially when I am Mrs. Taxi Driver to three teenagers when he's not here. But anyway, (laughs) enough of my woes. Thanks. No, seriously, shout out to all the single parents out there. It's a tough gig. Um, Yeah, so this morning we are continuing our series, Take Your Place. Um, and um, I've got quite a few Bible verses this morning, so I just wanted to warn you that I'm not going to read them all out because you'd still be here at lunchtime, but they will all be up on the screen. Because I was really um, drawn back to the story of Nehemiah, which Paul started off our Take Your Place series with, and um, we know that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down, the people were ashamed, and Nehemiah knew that something that had to be done, it really grieved his heart. And we've said this before in church, his first reaction was sorrow because he saw the brokenness and the disgrace. His first reaction was sorrow, but then his first action was to turn to God in mourning and fasting and praying and seeking God's face. And that just made me think, sometimes taking your place can be noticing that something is wrong and being prompted to do something about it. And I love it that Nehemiah's first reaction was not to just rush in, fix it. Find a solution, but first of all, he allowed himself to feel the emotions when he heard those things. It says he sat down and wept, and then to turn to God to take his time to pray and cry out to Him. And I wanted to ask you this morning, um, what it what is it that you see that grieves your heart, and how do you feel about it, and what are you saying to God about it? Because we know then that after that, Nehemiah takes action. He goes to Jerusalem, everyone takes their place, they make a plan, and they begin rebuilding. And when Paul was talking, he shared with us how everyone played their part, no matter who they were, no matter what their profession. But as I reread the story again, I noticed something that I think can happen to us at times as we take our place in the story of God. And that is that others around you might not understand what you're trying to do, they might not even like what you're trying to do, and they might discourage you from taking your place. And we read about it in that, in Nehemiah, there's these guys, they're called Sanballat and Tobiah, and they did not like what Nehemiah was trying to do. It says they were disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. And they actually try to disrupt what Nehemiah is doing. They mock and they ridicule him and the others for rebuilding the broken walls. And they, they actually question them, you know, what are you doing? And I just wondered, maybe some of you have experienced that when you have begun to take your place. You've stepped out to serve God. There might be other people around who don't necessarily understand what you're trying to do. Maybe even at times you felt undermined. Maybe people have ridiculed you. And so this morning, I just wanted to almost come with a health warning that when we take our place, we will face opposition. And we can learn so much from Nehemiah because his response is to turn to God, to remember what God has said, and to continue to be obedient. And unfortunately, this opposition continues It says in Nehemiah chapter 4, when Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break down their wall of stones. You can almost hear it, can't you? Like, who do they think they are? There's no chance they're going to rebuild. What do they think they're doing? Even a fox could knock it down. And again, Nehemiah's reaction is to turn to God. He says, Hear us, O God, and continue the work. It says the people worked with all their hearts. It intensifies again the, these guys Sam ballot to and the others were they actually get angry because they see that rebuilding is happening it's actually going ahead they're closing the gaps in the walls and they fight and they stir up trouble and you can see how this relentless opposition in the face of a long struggle could take its toll And maybe some of us feel like that even today. Maybe we feel like that about the last two years. It just feels like it's gone on and on and on. But we see here, Nehemiah is wise. He takes action. He stations people at the vulnerable places, and he continually reminds the people who God is and what he's called them to. He says, our God will fight for us. He says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families. I just feel like maybe today some of us need to get our fight back, (laughs) fight back for what we believe God has said and what he's calling us to do. And you're not going to believe this, but it happens again, more opposition. They scheme against Nehemiah four times. They try to trick him in chapter 6, but he stands firm. And again, he asks God for strength. He says, nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not get completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Maybe some of us have experienced this situation. We've taken our place. We've answered the call of God. We've been building something for the kingdom. And at the very least, we've been misunderstood, maybe questioned, maybe discouraged, maybe even ridiculed and openly opposed. And just like I've read here, it can happen over and over again. So as we think about rebuilding after COVID and about taking our place, I feel like we need to be like Nehemiah, time after time, turning back to God, remembering his promises and his calling. We need to use the wisdom and discernment that God gives us to see what's really going on. We can see from this, Nehemiah just realized they're making this stuff up and and trying to frighten us. And why don't we together as a church join with Nehemiah's prayer? Now strengthen my hands. You know, when we planted Carrick Fergus Vineyard Church over 11 years ago, we had so much support and so much encouragement. But there were also people asking questions, which is fine and good. There was some misunderstanding, and at times it was difficult. And for me, I had to keep coming back to what we felt God had said, that he called us that he'd given us a desire to be a place of hope, to see people come to know Jesus and experience freedom, to build something in this community along with the other churches, to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So I had to come back to God and keep being obedient, even when at times things got discouraging. And I just love it that we're still here, we're still taking our place, we're still serving God together together, so many of you, God has changed and touched so many lives. So I'm sorry this seems a bit doom and gloom this morning, but I did want to tell you, if you take your place, it will mean opposition. Um, years ago, Paul and I met at um, a festival called Soul Survivor, which is run for many years. Um, thousands and thousands of young people encountering Jesus, and their lives forever changed. And in 2019, um, Mike, the leader in his team, decided to stop running the festivals after 27 years, which felt like us to the end of an era because it affected us and so many people we knew's lives. And one, someone was asking them, you know, if you look back over those 27 years and all the things God did um, in the festival, what are your reflections? And one of them said... Often we told young people how amazing it is to follow Jesus, how your life can be transformed. But we also should have said a bit more about the cost as well, that it is a sacrifice. And I that just really struck me. You know, we need to be honest about what it means to take our place. You know, we it says in Ephesians 6, this is like, the equipment that God has given us, um, these verses in Ephesians 6, the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done anything, everything to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It's so powerful. He has given us what we need to fight the battle. And as we take our place, let's strengthen our hands by putting those verses into practice, standing firm against the devil's schemes and putting on the full armor of God that he makes available to us. So as we take our place, we will face opposition. And sometimes, as we've said, that comes from other people. But another big part of the struggle I actually believe is within ourselves. Remember in Nehemiah 4, those voices speaking out against them, saying, "They're actually doing this. Who do they think they are? There's no chance they'll rebuild. What do you think? What do they think they're doing? And I was just wondering, how many of us have actually heard those voices in our own head? Who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? There's no chance you'll be able to do that job, help those people, lead that group, pray for that person. You know, what you're saying is meaningless, rubbish. How many of us, if we're being honest, have had thoughts like that? But do you know what I want to say this morning? That is not from God, and that is not biblical. Because as Paul reminded us a couple of weeks ago, we are one body, many parts. And each part, every single one of us, has its own place, its own role, its own function. And God has arranged the parts just as he wanted them to be. We all need each other. Those parts that seem to be weaker, are indispensable. So this morning I want to say to you guys, those negative voices and thoughts in your head are simply not true. And if we're going to take our place, we need to learn the truth, what God says in his word, about himself and, consequently, about us. This morning, I want you to remember that you are part of the body. You're placed there by God, just as he wanted you to be. Every single one of you has your part to play. You're all needed, and like every part of the body, God has given you honor. And I know that some of us find that hard to believe right now. For some of us, the negative voices and questions like the ones I've just said, feel louder, louder than the truth, louder than what God says, even louder than the Bible. And that's a journey that each of us have to be on. For some of us, you can't just wipe out those thoughts in an instant and replace them. But I know that God speaks truth to us over and over again, and he calls us to live out our identity as his chosen sons and daughters. You know, last week we sang... The, the, the line that has stuck with me all week long. In my father's house, there's a place for me. And it's from the song, I am who you say I am. It says I'm chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You're for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. In Romans 8, it says for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. In my father's house, there's a place for me. Do you believe that this morning? Take your place. It's your identity. If you are led by the spirit of God, you are a child of God, and you have a place in your father's house. Do you know what God says about you? You're a chosen people. You're God's special possession. You are the apple of his eye. You are a child of God. You are adopted. You are an heir. You are hidden with Christ and God. You are a friend of God, and you are one he delights in, rejoices in, and sings over. I remember when I was in my 20s over in England, I was like just working through some stuff, and this really kind lady took a few times to pray with me, and she gave me a list of verses that's like four pages long like they're just like a few of them and she said you need to learn more about who God is and who he says you are and she literally told me to write these verses out and spend time thinking on one every day and I just think it's so important for us to absorb these truths from God's word so that they replace the lies of the enemy and we grow stronger in our identity so that we can truly say, I am who you say I am. And when the enemy comes to plant lies in our minds, does he see a vacant sign or a new no vacancy sign? We have to get to the place where our lives are so rooted in the word of God that we have that no vacancy sign on when the enemy comes to plant shame and condemnation that's a pretty good point, isn't it? I stole that from Louis Giglio. (laughs) No plagiarism here. (laughs) You know, when the enemy comes, and he will come to whisper lies to you, are you so strong in God's word and what he says that he doesn't get a chance to even sit down at your table? You know, we have so many negative thoughts, don't we? I just want to, you know, one for me and one for many of you that you've shared is I'm not good enough or I'm not not strong enough. But it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You know, we don't have to muster up this strength all by ourselves. God is the one who gives it to us. And sometimes I don't know what to do, I don't know what to say. But God guides me and He leads me, and sometimes I look back and i think oh my goodness like god got me through that really hard time and he made that possible his power was displayed in my weakness because i didn't have it in here from me you know maybe that's one of your thoughts maybe some of you are thinking you know i i just don't have much to offer you know i i i've got all this stuff going on in my life or things are difficult for me i don't have anything to offer But in Zechariah, it says not to despise the day of small things. And, you know, you've no idea how something really simple can change someone's life and have an impact on them. I've shared with all of you before how someone at church said to me once, you know, you think what you do is not enough, but you are enough. And that really brought me up short. It actually exposed a lie that I was believing a negative thought that had taken root in my mind and I was like really taken aback when that person said that to me it brought me up short and I'd love to say oh yeah she said that that was broken I never believed that ever again and I lived in this glorious place of freedom <laughs> but actually I still work through that, I still come back to that, what that person said to me because it's a journey for me and it's easy to slip back into that untrue thinking. But what I'm trying to say is, you've no idea how your simple phrase or prayer or text or encouragement to someone could really be transformational. So please don't despise the day of small things. Taking our place can be our simple words and small actions. They're a a piece of the jigsaw that can build up the body of Christ. So today I want to ask you guys to think about what are the messages you've absorbed that aren't what God is saying to you, like I'm not good enough or whatever it is. Maybe some of them are cultural, you know, because of where we grew up. Maybe it's the way things were in your family. Maybe it's some of us who've grown up in this country our Northern Irishness. You know maybe you think oh i have to wait till i'm older or that's what men do not what women do or i need to have more education i need to know more but what's the truth the truth is that we're all part of the body in my father's house there's a place for me and take your place a really common one is i don't know enough i'm not experienced enough i would just mess it up isn't it there are things that people have said to me and probably, well they are thoughts that I've had myself. But we all have to start somewhere, don't we? And whenever I was preparing this, I had a bit of a flashback to the first time I ever spoke in a church, which was Downshire Church in Carrick. And the young people were taking the service and I got nominated to do the talk. Kathy can sit there and chuckle because she was there. Um, I can't remember what age I was, maybe 19 or 20. And I actually remembered one of the stories I said as part of the talk, and I had a full cringe moment, so embarrassing. But I had to start somewhere. And I love it that the leaders in that church took the chance and gave me an opportunity as a young person to speak and share God's word. And I didn't know loads at the time. I wasn't experienced. I could have messed it up, but I took my place, and I try to be obedient to what God was saying. And I just think we all have to start somewhere. You know, we compare ourselves, don't we? Someone else could do that better than me. Maybe that's true, but how will we learn and grow unless we try, unless we take our place, unless we take a risk? As we've heard in the past, there's two different ways to spell faith. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. We need to take risks. And faith is also spelled Try. We have to try. Another message some of you might be thinking in your head is, you know, I'll take my place when things are more together in my life, when when I'm I'm more sorted out, you know, I'm more on the right path. But the truth is, all of us are broken in some way. We're all wounded, and if we wait till we're okay, we'll have a very long wait. I love this description by Henry Nguyen. No one escapes being wounded. We're all wounded people, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. The main question is not, how can we hide our wounds so we don't have to be embarrassed? But how can we put our woundedness in the service of others? When our wounds cease to be a source of shame and become a source of healing, we have become wounded healers. And that's a description of every single one of us here. We are all wounded healers. And in our own weakness and vulnerability, we can share with others, identify with others, and bless others. As wounded healers, we can take our place. We can grow as we go and maybe serve people in a way that others couldn't because our experience and our stories are unique and we can understand what someone else is going through. Um, Jason and Leanne aren't here this morning, but I asked them if it was okay, and um, because they have been through difficult times, and they have had a hard time with infertility. and Leanne has written very eloquently about that journey. And I just know that they are a blessing to many other people. They quietly get alongside people who are going through something similar, and talk to them and encourage them. Um, Last weekend, they were away at a thing called Rhythm of Hope. Um, There's a girl in England I know who has also um, gone through infertility with her husband. And she just wanted to create a space for Christians who are finding that difficult to come together and be ministered to. Um, And a couple of years ago, I introduced um, them to Leanne and Jason. And they've just really clicked and made good friendship And Jason and Leanne were able to go over there and be part of that day. And Sarah sent me this beautiful message saying how much God had really ministered to hurting people. And how wonderful it was to have the Gordons there with them. And how much they had been a blessing on that day. And I just think they're the little connections that God makes in their pain, in their brokenness. They've been able to use that. Um, to really just get alongside other people and say, I know what this is like and I want to journey with you and I want to share myself, my brokenness and my vulnerability. They are being wounded healers and we are all wounded healers. And we can take our place. We can come as we are with all our hurts, habits and hang-ups and knowing that God can take our small offering, what's in our hand, as Paul said, to be a blessing to others. In my father's house there's a place for me. Just to finish off with in two Samuel chapter nine, there is a story about King David and this man called Mephibosheth. Probably not many of you have heard of Mephibosheth, and um, someone pointed it out to me many years ago his story. Mephibosheth was a relative of Jonathan David's best friend, who had died along with Jonathan's father, Saul. Mephibosheth was a man who was lame in both feet and did not think very much of himself. And David wanted to show him kindness in, mercy of his, in memory of his father, Jonathan. And he said to David, what, he said this to David, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Like that really shows what he thought of himself. He just did not think anything of himself. And David promises to restore all that's been lost in Mephibosheth, to farm land for him, to provide for him, and that he'll always eat at his table like one of the king's sons. And it says, Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. And this morning you might feel like, I don't have much to give here, you know. My life's a bit chaotic. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. Maybe some of those negative thoughts that I've mentioned this morning have been your tape playing in your own head. But God promises there is always a place at the king's table for you. Always. In my father's house, there is a place for me. And I want you guys to know that this morning and to let that truth absorb into your heart. We're going to just, um, if the worship team could come back, that would be wonderful. We're just going to um, worship again. And then afterwards, I just really want to pray some of this stuff for us all. Because I know it's been a wee bit heavy this morning, but I just felt like this is real life. This is the things that are going around and I in our own heads. These are the things that we're coming up against as we take our place, and I just want us to let that truth sink in that there is always a place at the King's table for us. Um, we've got loads of time, and I just think it would be really good to just stay in God's presence and to let Him speak to us. There's loads of different things God could be whispering to us right now. You know some of you have taken your place in the past. You've stepped up and you've felt discouraged. You've faced that opposition and it feels like it's just gone on and on. And let's pray again like Nehemiah this morning. Now strengthen my strength and my Hands. Lord, strengthen our hands. Let's put on the armor of God. Take our stand against the devil's schemes. Stand firm. The armor's available to you. Put it on. of us need to believe that we're an honored part of the body in my father's house there's a place for me i am who you say i am in my father's house there's a place for me yes lord thank you jesus you know, don't despise the day of small things. The widow's offering was precious. Your offering is precious to God. You're part of this body. You feel wounded today, but you're actually a wounded healer. Your winds can be someone else's hope and comfort. believe that God's starting to whisper to some of you, this is what I want you to step out in. This is what I want you to just try. There's someone I want you to speak to. There's a small thing I want you to do. There's someone I want you to encourage. I encourage you to just do that today. Maybe speak to that person after church, or if they're not here, send them a message. you can be an encouragement to someone else. Some of us just feel broken, like Mephibosheth, feel like, don't think much of ourselves, don't have much to give, but there is a place at the King's table for you. Let's be so rooted in God's truth that we can put up that new vacancy sign when the enemy comes to whisper to us. Believe the truth. I am who you say I am. So, Lord, we receive it now. You receive your truth. Lord, would you embed it in our hearts and our minds? it's more than words on a page or thoughts in our head. It becomes who we are and what we live from. We just worship you, Jesus. We thank you that your goodness and mercy surely follows us all the days of our lives. Surely follows us. Surely follows us. We worship you, Jesus.